Look to your neighbor and say, it's so good to be here this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Welcome again to our special Christmas service. It's so good to see everybody here. For those that don't know me, my name is Nancy Wyrostek, one of the apostolic elders here, and I'm going to be preaching today. And of Amen. course, you all know the title of my message is Wise Men Still Seek Him. Amen? Amen. Now let's get straight into the message today. If you could turn with me, please, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to be reading the whole passage from verses 1 through 12. And this is about the story of Jesus coming to the earth, the three wise men who came to see him. And we're going to learn today how we can be wise and seek him as they did. Amen? Amen. So Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. If you're there, say, I'm there. I'm there. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Somebody say disturbed. Disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Say, overjoyed. Overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So here I'm going to just summarize this story. It's pretty self-explanatory, but I'm going to summarize it a little bit and give you some background information. So we have three wise men who came from the east, and it's probably around the area of Arabia or Persia. And at one time, the people of Israel were captive there. And so these men were probably of an educated uh, part of their society. And it is believed that prophecies were handed down to them through Daniel. So prophecies from the book of Daniel and also Balaam's prophecy in the book of Numbers might have come down to them by tradition. But nothing's definite is sure. Uh, but these prophecies, but because of these prophecies, they went in search for the one who was to be born king of the Jews and to worship him. And these simple strangers, they expected all of Jerusalem to be full of the news of this king being born. But it's quite contrary. You know, when they first came to Jerusalem, when King Herod first heard of the news, where is the king born of the Jews, he was actually disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. So little would they think that the first announcement of his birth would come from themselves. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled because he viewed this 
as danger to his own throne. See, he was a king of the land at that time. And in his mind, if there was a king rising up for the Jews, then he would take over my place. And King Herod was a wicked king. He was a very wicked, evil man. And so he sent them to Jerusalem and he said, go and search for him. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can worship him too. But his intent was actually the opposite. He wanted to have the baby killed. And it was actually upon the Magi coming to the house. News had already been sent out from King Herod for the baby to be found and killed. So the news was following right behind them. So he sent them to Jerusalem, and the Magi, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they came to the house, they found the young child with his mother Mary. And so they didn't come to the stable as the depiction of the nativity scene is usually foretold. Jesus at this time was probably a little under the age of two, and they were at a house, and he was there with his mother. And these wise men came so far and inquired so eagerly. And they rejoiced with such exceeding joy to pay this spiritual homage. Then they had opened their treasuries and they presented, they offered baby Jesus with these gifts. And it was rare for visits like this to be made empty-handed to a sovereign. And the gold was presented to this infant king in token of his royalty. The frankincense was in token of his divinity and the myrrh of his sufferings. Or it is believed that they were designed to express Jesus' divine and human natures. And it actually turns out that these gifts were going to be useful for Mary and Joseph because they were going to be going on an unexpected journey into Egypt as soon as these magi left. Because Joseph was told in a dream after they had departed that Herod was looking for the child to come and kill him. So these gifts that were actually presented to baby Jesus was useful for this journey to Egypt. So that night when the Magi were there, God warned them in a dream that they should not return to Herod. And so they departed to their own country from another way. And so today I'm going to talk to you about three reasons why wise men still seek him today. How many wise men and women of God do I have in the house? How many of you guys love to seek after Jesus? Amen. There are three things that we're going to learn. Jesus came into the world, first and foremost, before I get into my point, Jesus came into the world to be our Savior. Amen. And on one side, his own people rejected and denied him. The king of the land wanted him killed. And we have three wise men that came from, from the east to worship him and give him gifts. And the first point is wise men still seek him today because they love the truth. The magi who went and searched for Jesus in some way inside of them had a longing or a love for the truth. Even though they were Gentiles, they were non-Jews. These prophecies were not for them specifically at that time. They believed those prophecies, though, that were passed down to them generation after generation, and they had to find it out for themselves. They believed that these prophecies were true, and they wanted to see them fulfilled before their very eyes. We as Christians today must have a love for truth. Truth himself has been revealed to us, and his name is Jesus. Amen. Emmanuel, Amen. God with us. Colossians 2, 3 says, Jesus Christ, 
the mystery of God in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Turn with me, please, to 1 Kings chapter 10. We're going to read verses 1 through 9. And this is a story of the queen of Sheba visiting Solomon. And Solomon is known in the Bible as the wisest man that ever lived on the earth. And he was the son of King David. He came right after him in the lineage of the kings. Right after King David, King Solomon was ruling. And the reason why King Solomon was so successful is because God actually asked him to ask God, what do you want me to give to you to lead my people? You want wealth? You want fame? You want popularity? What do you want? And guess what Solomon asked for? He asked for wisdom. And because he asked for wisdom, God gave him everything else. And so this queen of Sheba, also known the queen of the east, came to visit Solomon and to see all that was happening in his land. Are you ready? First yeah. Kings chapter 10, 1 through 9. When the queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon and his relationship to the Lord, she came to test Solomon with hard questions. Arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan, with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all that she had on her mind. Solomon answered her questions, all of her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. She said to the king, the report I heard in my country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe these things until I came and saw them with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth, you have far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your people must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. So this queen of Sheba, who came from the east, came to hear Solomon's wisdom. She herself had a sense of longing for the truth and had all of her questions answered. What makes her story so significant is that in Luke 11.31, Jesus himself uses her as an example. And he says, The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. And I believe this verse applies to the generation we live in today. The queen of the south will rise up in judgment against this generation. Because this generation has had the truth revealed to them. And they have denied it. Do you love the truth? Amen. Ask yourself that question. Do you love the truth that comes from the word of God? The Magi from the East traveled from far away to find it, to search for it. The Queen of the South traveled from far away to inquire about it. We must be lovers of the truth in the Church of America today and uphold it. John 18, 33-38. This is a famous passage of scripture, a dialogue 
between Jesus himself and Pilate. If you could turn there with me if you want. John 18, 33-38. It's relating to the subject of truth. And here, Jesus is on trial. This king of the Jews, the one who came, who was sent into the world to be our savior, is put on trial by his own people, and they want him to be crucified. And here is a dialogue between him and Pilate, the Roman governor, governor the, the Roman ruler at that time. And this is what it says. Pilate then went back inside the palace and summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Somebody say truth. truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, retorted Pilate. And I want to ask you that same question. What do you think truth is? What is truth? According to our generation, the definition, the definition of truth is whatever you want it to be. Whatever is true for you is truth. Whatever is true for me is my truth. There is no moral standard anymore. Nobody can tell me I'm wrong because what's wrong for them is not wrong for me. People have thrown away the foundation for morality, which is the Bible, God's holy word. And the church has allowed an apathetic spirit to seduce them as though the devil has sung his lullaby over America and has put us to sleep singing. Hush, America, don't say a word. You don't have to remember what you've heard. Just be silent and follow me. I'll make sure you become a nation that's free. And the devil's promise to the world has put us to sleep. And his promises are, you'll be free from real freedom of speech. You'll be free from God's security and protection. You'll be free from morality. You'll be free from common sense. You'll be free from absolute truth. But my Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Wake up, O sleeper. Wake up, O sleeping America. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Your question, Mr. Pilate, was answered in John 14, 6, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Amen. We live in a day and age where God has to raise up businessmen in our society to stand for truth, where preachers behind the pulpit are cowardly hiding behind it and cannot stand up for righteousness. What is truth? It's Jesus. How do we know? Through his word. Come on. Hebrews 4, chapter 12. For the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts 
and attitudes of our heart. That's why the world hates us. They can care less about what the Bible says. That's what truth does. It convicts. It brings people to account. You can't explain it away, debate it away, or interpret it away. For I assure you, Jesus said, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any mere means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Take it or leave it, but that's the truth. And that's a fact, Jack. Come on. Gotta go there. Yeah. That's the truth. Woo. Our truth is found on the basis of the word of God. We must be leaders of truth according to God's word. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12, we get a glimpse of what it's going to be in the last days when the Antichrist comes up in power to rule. He will be used to form miracles, counterfeit miracles. And this, is what it, this is what this passage of Scripture says. And the reason why I chose this is because it goes hand in hand with us being lovers of the truth. It is a very, very dangerous road for people not to be on the side of truth according to God's word. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9-12, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. And why are they perishing? They perish because they refused to love the truth. Somebody say, love the truth. Love the truth. And so be saved. And so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. If you do not love God's truth, if you do not believe God's truth, the Bible says, according to this scripture, you are delighting in wickedness. They refused to love the truth and so be saved. And according to this verse, loving the truth and salvation go hand in hand. Because you can be so easily deceived by the enemy if you do not love God's truth. All of his commandments, all of his examples, all of the stories, everything that has been commanded of how a Christian should live, we must accept it all. We cannot make up our own kind of salvation. I'll take a little bit of this truth that Jesus said. I'll take a little bit of this truth that Buddha said. I'll take a little bit of this truth that I think Islam is teaching. And I'll make up my own salvation and I'll get to heaven the way I want to. No, 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 no. It's Jesus' way or it's no way. My charge to you this morning is let's be lovers of the whole truth. Amen. Let's stand up for truth and righteousness in this generation and let our light shine like a city on a hill. Amen? Amen. Who's ready to do that? Amen. How many of you guys want to stand up for truth? I know I have wise men and women of God who want to stand up for the whole truth. We not fear Amen. man, we fear God. Amen. Which brings me to my next point. The second reason why wise men still seek him today is because they fear God and shun evil. The three wise men were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. So they returned to their country by another route. These magi feared God. They may not have had the full understanding of what was happening, 
But when they were warned, they heeded that warning. They had enough sense to say, hey, I'm going to listen to that dream, and I'm going to go home a different way. Job chapter 28. I'm going to read verses 12 through 13, and then 20 and 28. I put these verses together just for the sake of time and for this point. But where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? No mortal comprehends its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? And he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. Come on. The basis for all wisdom is the fear of God. And understanding is shunning evil. To be wise in the eyes of God means to fear him. 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, For the wisdom of this world, what this world thinks they know, what this world thinks they've figured out about God, what this world thinks they've uh, studied, it's foolishness in God's sight. Come on. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. For everyone here who is born again and living for God, our wisdom doesn't come from this world. Our universities, our professors, our politicians, our so-called superstars, the foundation of the wisdom we have comes directly from the fear of God. Amen. It doesn't mean we're afraid of him. What it means is that we honor his lordship and kingship in our lives. Amen. He's boss. He's in control. And we're okay with it. He calls the shots. He tells us go here and go here. And we let him. Amen. And it means to respect his justice and rule over the earth. Amen. That's what it means to fear God. God has given us warnings, just like he gave to the Magi. If we are wise as they were, we will listen and obey. Turn with me, please, to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 18. I'm going to shorten these 18 verses. I'll let you know what verse I'm at as I, as I go forward. But we're going to gather from this passage of Scripture some warnings that God has given to us in this day and age and how we're supposed to be living and how we're supposed to be ready and waiting for his second coming, for his second return. 2 Peter 3, starting in verse 3. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the believers, uh, the Apostle Peter writing to the believers. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Verse 3, sorry, that was verse 1. Verse 3, above all you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. Go to verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness, and that he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Verse 11, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Verse 14. 
So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Verse 17. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned. Somebody say forewarned. forewarned. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned about what's coming, you've been forewarned about how you're supposed to live, be on your guard so that you cannot so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. The reason why we live holy and godly lives is because we fear God and shun evil. The reason why we make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him is because we fear God and shun evil. The reason why we are on guard from error is because we fear God and shun evil. The reason why we grow in grace and knowledge of our Savior is because we fear God and shun evil. The reason why we preach the gospel on the streets to a lost and dying world is because we fear God and shun evil. The reason why we stand up against homosexuality, we stand up against abortion because we fear God and shun evil. The reason why we can call sin, sin, is because we fear God and shun evil. Every believer in this place should have as the basis of their relationship with the Lord, a fear of God. We do what we do. We stand up for this truth because God said so. The Bible tells me so. If you are not saved today, you're not living right with God, if you're not loving the truth, I plead with you, be born again. Come to Jesus. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That is why many of you are here. It's the Christmas season. We think about Jesus during this time. This is the greatest gift you will ever receive. The gift of salvation, just like how Pastor Adam preached earlier. You can't earn it. All you got to do is receive it. Many of you are going to be receiving Christmas presents. You're not going to give them back saying, no, no, no. You don't have to give that to me. I'm not going to take it, you know. Do we do that with Christmas presents? Do we do that with birthday presents? Just say, no, 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 I don't, I don't really want that, you know. Oh, who doesn't like presents? Come on, seriously. We can't do that with the gift of God. This is a gift of God. Jesus came to be born fully God, fully man, to die be buried, roll, raised on the third day, and he's coming back again for us one day. we got to be ready. How many of you guys fear God and shun evil in this place? Come on, that is the basis of wisdom. To call ourselves wise means we fear God. The wisdom that this world has is foolishness because they look at the cross as foolishness. They look at the message of Jesus as foolishness. The Bible is perceived as a piece of garbage. They could care less what it has to say, what it has to bring to us. It's ridiculed, it's spit upon. But as believers, we fear God. We don't call evil good and good evil. We call evil evil and good good because Jesus said so. See, the definition, going back to truth, Jesus encompasses truth. God's laws and God's commands encompasses truth. We know right from God because God created us. There is a conscience inside of us, 
And for many people in this world, it's being seared, the Bible says, as with a hot iron. And we don't know our right from wrong because we've decided to figure it out within our own selves. The Bible says that the heart is deceptive above all else. Above all things, our heart is wicked. We cannot, in our own human race, decide what good is and what wrong is and what evil is and all this stuff. God determined it. What we have to do is believe it and love it, accept it, live for it, and uphold it until he comes back. Amen? Amen. Jesus. Number three. Wise men still seek him today because they know he's coming back. When the Magi read through the prophecies and discovered that, they, that there would be a king of the Jews coming into Jerusalem, they believed that so much that they went to look for him. Just as they knew he was coming the first time, wise men who seek him today know he is coming back a second time. Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. Band, if you could come on up now, please. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. After he said this, this is Jesus. He had just spoken to his disciples. He has already been raised from the dead. He has spent some time with them. And now... He has been taken from them. After he has said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men, dressed in white, stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him going to heaven. What will that day be like? What will that day look like? And most importantly, are you ready for that day to come? Because he is coming back. And those that are wise according to God's standards, seek him. They're waiting for him. They're preparing themselves. I want to read to you from Revelation 9, chapter 19, as we close. If everybody could stand up to their feet. Here's a glimpse of what it's going to look like when he comes back. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The first time Jesus came as a baby in a manger, the second time he comes, he will come as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, like a roaring, conquering king. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. 
war? Do I have wise men and women in this place ready to seek him today? Ready to seek him next year, two years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Are you ready to love the truth, to preach the truth, to stand up for the truth? Even in the face of persecution, even if all the world comes against you, there are Christians all over the world and other nations being killed, being martyred for their faith because they hold to this truth. And the church in America is acting like a coward. God help us. God have mercy. God forgive us. Metro Praise International, I charge you, let's be lovers of the truth. Let's preach it with everything inside of us. Let it convict everybody around us. Let it bring them to their knees in conviction. Let's be God-fearers, not people-fearers, not people-pleasers. We have got to fear God. We have to hate evil and everything that has to do with it. And we have to be ready for him to come back.